Thank you for listening to this message from First Baptist Church of Alamogordo. More information about First Baptist Church can be found at www.fbcalamo.com. What a thrill it is for Vicki and I to be here. We've been looking forward to this so much. Kyle, thank you for inviting us. And uh, uh, we're just, just bringing back so many sweet, precious memories, being able to connect with uh, so many longtime friends and to, uh, and to support the Bearmans in this uh, calling that God has placed upon them. And we, uh, we appreciate that. It looks like that we have uh, probably the whole Baptist Convention in New Mexico staff here this morning, and uh, so thanks for being here, and, and I would just want to say thank you to uh, Dr. Bunce and BCNM for the support and help that you've given to this church over these past years. Thank you so much. And, uh, uh, it's, it's, it's made a difference. Uh, to this community and to many others. So Kyle gave me the assignment to uh, talk about the past, so uh, I uh, got out the old history book, the one that was written at the uh, Centennial, and uh, reviewed that. Of course, uh, New Mexico Baptist uh, really began with a man by the name of Hiram Reed, who came about 1845, and he was up in the northern part of the state, but was a missionary. Down here in the south, there were associations of Baptist churches that were started over in, in Hobbs and uh, Artesia in that area. And uh, in uh, 1898, the city of Alamogordo uh, was, uh, was founded. Uh, it was built actually as a uh, railroad stop, and the railroad came through. So they built a, this community here to, to supply the train so that water and from the mountains and wood to, uh, uh, to fire the locomotives, had fuel, and uh, so the, the city was begun, right here in the middle of uh, this desert, Tularosa Basin. And through the years it grew. The first pastor was a man by the name of R.P. Pope, and he started this church uh, in uh, 1898, September 11, 1898 but 27 members, and was here over a number of years. The church grew in those early days, and um, uh, through the years, uh, the church has had a number of uh, significant pastors. Um, uh, Reverend Earl Keating was a famous pastor in New Mexico history, was pastor here many years, came in 1929, left in 1945, so he was pastor through the Great Depression and through World War II, but the church grew to over 700 members by the time that, that he left, and um, the budget grew from $2,200 to $18,000 was their church budget in 1945. Great man, left here and uh, went to Hobbs and then was a founding pastor of Hoffmantown Baptist Church in, uh, in Albuquerque. Also a great missionary uh, spirit, too. Uh, Ewell Lawson was pastor here from uh, uh, 1945, 1948. Ewell Lawson was a great evangelist. In fact, became evangelist director for the state convention and then became uh, event, uh, evangelist director for the home mission board for, uh, for several years. And uh, 
he begat a uh, wild young man we called Chief Lawson, who uh, grew up in this church, and I won't go into all of those stories, nor will I tell any Scott Wilson stories, and I know a bunch of those. T.J. Gamble was the pastor from 1948-52. He built the old sanctuary over here, which is right next door. And if you go over there now, it's kind of all closed in with classrooms, but it was all open. It was really a very uh, pretty large, uh, uh, pretty large building with a with a balcony. We were just talking about that last, uh, yesterday about uh, you know when they built this building, it was uh, uh, it was uh, it was modified. C.E. Whitlow, who later became editor of the Baptist New Mexican was pastored here for a number of years and uh, had 12 long good years here, one of the longest pastors of, uh, of any of the pastors in the past. Jack Strickland came in 1967, left in 75. He was pastor when they built this building and uh, when they built this, uh, this sanctuary, modified the old, the old building and uh, had, that was, those were back in bus ministry days and uh, probably had the largest attending attendances uh, of any time in the history of the church during, uh, during those, those years. He was followed by Francis Wilson, who, was, uh, who dealt with the debt on this building that Jack Strickland had created for, uh, for many years. And, uh, but there was one glorious day when uh, uh, <laughs> the dear Billy Holden, uh, miss him, uh, it was editor, uh, publisher of the uh, Ellen Grove Daily News, sold the paper, and out of the proceeds of that sale, brought a check for $100,000 to pay off the debt on this building. And that was a, a glorious time and uh, lifted a huge burden from this church. After Francis Wilson came, there was this guy who was, had a suntan and wore um, uh, flowered shirts in Hawaii that, that got a call from Billy Holden. That was, that was me. And uh, Billy said, we have your resume, you know, we, we like it. It had been sent to us by a professor friend at the seminary. And he said, uh, he said, but you're in Hawaii, and we don't think we can take the whole committee there. We think if God's in this, that somehow he'll arrange uh, circumstances where we can hear you. And I said, well, it happens in God's providence that uh, in about two weeks, I'm going to Nashville, because I was writing Sunday school lessons then, for them, and uh, I can stop on the way back. And so he said, well, Lord must be in this thing, and, uh, and sure enough it was. And I remember the first time I walked into this sanctuary, uh, we were in Hawaii, we were meeting at a little church, held about 150 people, a little wooden church. It was, well, we said the termites were holding hands to keep the building falling down. <laughs> and uh, they, <laughs> I walked into this, into this and I said, wow. I would get to preach here every Sunday. Praise God. So we had, we had some great years here. We really loved this church. We weren't looking to leave. Uh, but, uh, but God moved us from here. But, you know, we've left our heart here. Really and truly. And then Don Sigler followed us. And uh, it was good to hear from Don. I, didn't, I Really, I was kind of surprised to hear these guys are uh, still kicking. <laughs> Jack and Francis and, and Don. This church has always been a mission-minded church. Started church plants around places like uh, Spanish Baptist Church, Premier Place at Bautista now, uh, Calvary, Bowles Acres, Bethel, Timberon, Oro Grande. Is that Oro Grande National Park down there? 
Natural forest? Yeah, okay. And um, uh, so it's always had that mindset. God has called many people into ministry and uh, into missions out of this church. I, I would hesitate to try to name them all because uh, afraid I would leave out some, but uh, uh, God has just been, just been that kind of church, that kind of leading light in our community. And I would be remiss if I didn't remind you of a tragic accident, horrific accident that happened in the year 2000. Uh, there were 12 people from Sandia going to a, uh, uh, a graveside service up the other side of Rio Dosa. A uh, semi-truck plowed into the back of, the, uh, of that van. Garland Peak was driving it. Three people died on the scene. Emmett Carson, who served here so many years, and uh, Flo Otto, and uh, uh, Vera Wagner. And then two others died, Lee and Barbara Haina, uh, died of their injuries, but not at the scene, but sometime later. There were others who were hurt in that, and uh, it, was a, uh, it was a trauma to the church. And it seemed like, as I, as I kind of reflected on the history of the as a whole, it, that that was just sort of the beginning of the last 20 years, which has been some hard years in this church history. And so today, I've just been praying that God would uh, give a message, and I believe God has given me a message to share this morning to you about that. So if you have your Bibles, if you would like to look with me, in the book of Joshua, chapter 4. Joshua, chapter 4. I'm going to share this message today the same way that we did in the field. We would read a Bible story from the Bible, then we would sort of retell that story, and then we would apply it to people. And the reason we would do that and repeat the story is because a lot of those people were illiterate, couldn't read. So we would make sure that everyone understood but the background of this passage of scripture, Joshua chapter 4, really began with Abraham. God called Abraham and said, leave, leave where you are and go to a place I'm going to show you. And I'm going to give you that land. He made a promise, made a covenant with Abraham, who was the father of our faith. His son Isaac, his grandson Jacob, and then great-grandsons, the twelve patriarchs, all lived in faith of that promise. But as you know the story, they went to Egypt, they were enslaved for 400 years. God called out a man by the name of Moses to go and lead them out of that land, then to lead them to Mount Sinai, where God made them a nation, made them a people. He gave them the law. He gave them worship, a tabernacle, a place to serve. And then God led them out to go and take the land. And they went to a place called Kadesh Bardea. Sent out 12 spies. They spies went into the land. 10 of the spies said, oh, it's too much. We can't do it. There's giants in the land. It's too big. Two of the spies, Joshua and Caleb, said, oh, we should trust God to do it. But the people decided not to go. They refused to follow God's call. And so God condemned them. God judged them. And said, this generation will never enter the land. So for 40 years, they, they wandered. 
don't know what that wandering looked like. I don't think they got up every morning, packed up everything, walked around a while, and repacked. But for 40 years, they were out there in the wilderness. Then God had led them. When that generation was passing by, God led them to the border. Moses had sinned against God and was not allowed to enter. But Joshua, one of the faithful ones who had gone in as a spy, was appointed the leader. And so the people came to the river to cross over. Apparently it was a season when the river was up. Difficult crossing. So God told the priest, put the sacred poles into the ark, lift it up, and walk into the river. And the Bible says as they set their foot into the water, the water stopped flowing. And it just piled up behind them. The Bible says it heaped up behind them. But below it was dry like a New Mexico arroyo. <laughs> and then the people began to walk across. Two million people or more. And that's where we pick up the story. Let me read to you. Verse 1. And it came to pass when all the people had completely crossed over the Jordan that the Lord spoke to Joshua saying, Take for yourselves twelve men from the people, one man from every tribe, and command them saying, Take for yourselves twelve stones from here out of the midst of the Jordan from the place where the priest's feet stood firm. You shall carry them over with you and leave them in the lodging place with the Lord where you lodge tonight. Then Joshua called the twelve men whom he had appointed from the children of Israel, one man from every tribe. And Joshua said to them, Cross over before the ark in the Lord your God to the midst of the Jordan, and each one of you take up a stone on his shoulder, according to the number of the tribes of the children of Israel, that this may be a sign among you when your children ask in time to come, What do these stones mean to you? Then you shall answer them, that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord when it crossed over the Jordan. The waters of the Jordan were cut off. And these stones shall be for a memorial to the children of Israel forever. And the children of Israel did so. Just as Joshua commanded, it took up twelve stones from the midst of the Jordan, as the Lord had spoken to Joshua according to the number of the tribes of the children of Israel and carried them over with them to the place where they lodged, and laid them down there. Then Joshua set up twelve stones in the midst of the Jordan, in the place where the feet of the priest who bore the Ark of the Covenant stood, and they are there to this day. So the priest who bore the Ark stood in the midst of the Jordan until everything was finished that the Lord had commanded Joshua to speak to the people according to all that Moses had commanded Joshua. And the people hurried and crossed over. And then it came to pass when all the people had completely crossed over that the ark of the Lord and the priests crossed over in the presence of the people. And the men of Reuben, the men of Gad, and half the tribe of Manasseh crossed over, armed before the Lord, armed before the children of Israel, as Moses had spoken to them. About 40,000 people prepared for war crossed over before the Lord for battle to the plains of Jericho. That 40,000 were from Gad, Manasseh, and Reuben. 
And at that day, the Lord exalted Joshua in the sight of all Israel, and they feared him as they had feared Moses all the days of his life. Then the Lord spoke to Joshua, saying, Command the priest who bear the ark of the testimony to come up from the Jordan. And Joshua therefore commanded the priest, saying, Come up from the Jordan. And it came to pass when the priest who bore the ark of the covenant of the Lord came up from the midst of the Jordan, and the soles of the priest's feet touched the dry land, that the waters of the Jordan returned to their place and overflowed all its banks as before. Now the people came up from the Jordan on the tenth day, the first month, and they camped in Gilgal on the east border of Jericho. And these twelve stones which they took up out of the Jordan, Joshua set up in Gilgal. Then he spoke to the children of Israel, saying, When your children ask their fathers in time to come, saying, What are these stones? Then you shall let your children know, saying, Israel crossed over this Jordan on dry land. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan before you until you had crossed over as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up before us until we had crossed over, that all the people of the earth may know the hand of the Lord that is mighty, that you may fear the Lord your God forever. I'm just trying to picture this scene. Two million people gathered on this river that is in its highest level, flood level, and they reach it, and Joshua, who had just begun his leadership of the people, gave a command. And he told the priest, you carry the ark into that river. So they obeyed. And the Bible says as soon as their feet touched the water, that the water heaped up. It, it, it stopped flowing. And then all the people crossed over. And as they were crossing, God said to Joshua, take stones. So the one from each tribe, they took a stone, probably a big stone, big, not little rocks, big boulders, carried them out and they made a memorial. They piled up rocks. And they said, this is going to be a rock as a reminder that God was, allowed us to cross over large stones. They were to remember what God did. Years later, as is common in the human circumstance, the nation of Israel began to forget all the dead. They began to forget that God had prepared a place for them, that God had saved them, that God had helped them to, to cross over. But at that time, that place, God did it. It's interesting to me, I think it's a, it is significance of this miracle, part of the significance of this miracle was that when God called people out of Egypt, he parted the waters of the Red Sea, right? That's what it said. But God parted the waters of the Jordan River just the same. What he did for the old generation, he did for the new generation. And as we look back at the history of this church, we can think God did so many great things. But I want you to know that God is at work in this generation too, that God has prepared a new generation, a new people, a new plan and purpose here. If this church was going to die, God would have let it die already. The Bible says they all went over together. 
Remember what happened to the three tribes? Manasseh, Reuben, and Gad? They said, you know, we grow cattle. This is cattle country. Don't make us cross over. And uh, <laughs> Moses said to them, why would you sin against God in such a way? He said, just as God cursed them before when they went into the land, God will curse you and curse us if we don't all go together. So God is calling us to all go together. We're a body. We're the church. As you see how God has worked through these past difficult years, this has been the church at work. People working together, not abandoned. And I think it is appropriate that the staff of our state convention be here. That representative from our Baptist Foundation be here. Because the church went to work. Bart Montgomery was our DON, our association, went to work. God had a plan. And so they went over and they named the place Gilgal. Now Gilgal apparently is a Hebrew Aramaic word that means to roll away. And they said in this place from now on, roll away. So the, the reproach of Israel is rolled away. Well, what was the reproach? The reproach was the judgment when they disobeyed, that they had to wander for 40 years before they could enter the land. And they said, that's over. That's done with. The reproaches rolled away. And I believe I have a word from God to say that this is our Gilgal. This day. Those have been hard 20 years. But that reproach is rolled away. Let us declare it. Let us live by it. Let us remember as a memorial that God not only worked in this church, but is working and will work in the days ahead. Amen. Interesting that once they got over, they observed the Passover. They quit eating manna. And all the men got circumcised. It was a new day, a new generation. That's what's at work here. A new generation. A new future. Let me just share with you, I think, some, a word, some words from God from this story. What does this story teach us on this 120th anniversary? One thing, remember the past, but you can't go back. God didn't dry up the river Jordan permanently. Just enough for them to go up. They couldn't go back. We remember the past, but we don't want to go back. We don't want to go back to the good old days. We don't want to say, this is God's good day. This is God's history in the making. One day we will look back and say, ah, God was faithful to us. I think the story also teaches us that we should honor the leaders of the past, but follow the new leader for today. Amen. They honored Moses. They revered Moses. 
They mourned and wept when Moses died. But Joshua is the new man. It's been some great pastor of this church. Some better than others. <laughs> but I am convinced, and I want to say, and I'm not just, as Joe would say, buttering the biscuit. Kyle is God's man for this day for this church. He is gifted, called, consecrated, ready, energetic. He's our leader. He's our Joshua for this time. The years of wandering have passed. So of Israel wandered 40 years. Our years of wandering, 20 years, that's past. Let's cross over today. Let's build that memorial and say, this is Gilgal. So we always go and meet together as we have worked together to preserve this church, preserve the witness of this church and this community and its influence throughout the state and nation and world. We work together for that. In other words, God gave the land to the people. But once they crossed the Jordan, that was not the end of the story. That was just the beginning. They had to fight for it. The Bible says that they fought seven nations. There's a battle. Make no mistake. This is a war. A spiritual war that we fight. We do not fight against flesh and blood. Against powers and principalities. The evil in the heavenly place. It's a war. There's battle to be done. There's work to be done. This is just the beginning. God said to Joshua, do not be afraid, be of good courage. And he sent to him an angelic moment. He met the commander of God's army. What an encouragement that must have been said, I'm going to go with you and help you as you fight this battle to take the land. Don't be afraid. God's saying to us today, don't be afraid. There's battles to be fought. There's hard times. There's big issues to work through. But the commander of God's army is an eternal angel. And he's alive today. And he is at work. And God will not abandon you. God will not abandon us as we fight that battle. Let's declare today as Gilgal. The story is not all told. God's purpose for this church is not over. God did not leave Israel in the desert, but raised up a new generation. God did not abandon First Baptist Church at Alamogordo. Amen. But he is at work in a new generation for a new day in this community. Thank God. Praise God. It is about Him. Let's pray. Dear Father in heaven, thank you for Lord, thank you for your word to us this day. 
Lord, by faith we declare to you that we trust you and that we want this day to be faithful to the task that this church may grow in grace, in number, in influence, and most of all, Lord, to bring you glory. Not only at the corner of 11th and Michigan, but throughout the city, this county, this state, this nation, this world. Lord, to you be the glory and the honor. Thank you, Lord, for what you have done and are doing and will do. Pray all this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from First Baptist Church of Alamogordo. We are located at 1100 Michigan Avenue in Alamogordo, New Mexico. We meet on Sundays for small groups at 9 a.m. and worship at 1030. If you have more questions, please email office at fbcalamo.com or call 575-437-5510. Thank you for listening and may God bless you this week.